remember trying to talk to you in high school Couldn't even get a look cause you were too cool But now we're older and we're playing by the new rules We lived and learned Cause it's time Hello again everybody and welcome back to Random Discard I am Clues, one of your faithful hosts And joining me as always is Rich Rich, how are you tonight? I'm good. Um, we are about three weeks away from babies. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's coming soon. I didn't realize it was quite that soon. Oh, man. It's, um, cesarean is scheduled April 5th, um, so that's the latest they will be. Right. So they can come anywhere from now till then. That's right. Okay, fantastic. Well, then I guess we are not going to record on April the 5th, because I think no, it is a Wednesday. No, that, that is a thousand percent a no. Uh, yeah. We could probably do the week before that, but the 5th is a hundred percent a big O no. Right, okay. So let me just take a look at the oldie schedule, so we should record. But actually, that would be our off week anyways. Yeah, that would be our off week anyways. Uh, okay, great. Yeah, so the 5th, hands off. Okay, gotcha. Check. Otherwise, uh, and since last we spoke, I saw Logan. Oh, you did? I have not yet seen it, so no spoilers. All right, all right but... so I'm not going to... I don't want to give my opinion until you... I won't give it until, to someone that I've until they've seen it. Okay. Okay, but you you do think it's worth seeing? You'll see Absolutely. Yes, yes. Okay. And I'll, I'll, say I, I'll say it's good. Yeah, I've heard mostly good things. I haven't heard a, a ton of people say, "Oh God, this is just horror." No, I know I've heard I've heard mostly. To good give things. my like the the true like you have to have seen it because otherwise I don't want you to go in with any expectations of what you're going to get out of it. Sure. And I- because especially for like for me, it's very tough for X Men movies because they're very close to my heart because mm-hmm. that's I me. Mean, X Men is like part of my just a like, core part of my childhood, so it's, they're always very different to me and how I feel for feel towards them. So. So yeah, but I I think I definitely it's a high recommend to see that. Okay, fair like, enough. If you like comic book movies at all, you should see it. Even if you didn't watch any of the other X Men, you don't really need them. Okay, this is going to come as a shock to you, but I am a man who enjoys comic book movies. I thought we knew each other. I know you learn new things every single week. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to see any movies recently. I I, I didn't even get to see Rogue One when Rogue One happened because I was just too damn busy. Have, have you seen it since, though? Have nope. You, as soon as it comes out on Blu-ray, I am all over that. Oh, man. Yeah, the only movie I've seen in theaters in the past, like, six months is Doctor Strange, which... That was cool. That was so funny. I enjoyed the crap out of that. Disney's doing some good work. Probably like 25 bucks. Yeah, you gotta wait, like, a couple of weeks before they hit that, that price drop. I know, like, we, got, we want to get that. My wife wants to get Moana. Uh-huh. So I don't know if you like watch some of the Disney movies, but that is actually a quite a decent Disney movie. Uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a Disney movie fan, and I've heard very good things about that one. But again, didn't didn't make it. Right. I, I, here's the thing: I love love going to a theater. I love the oh, experience of the big screen, but scheduling is so damn tricky because I like it's to go tough. with my wife, and she and I work during the week in separate mm-hmm. places, and so when we get together on the weekends, we're like, well, we could go spend like three and a half hours in a movie theater, or we could do one of the 20 other things we need to do. Right, so, and that, that that makes it really tough. And like for me, I know it's going to be a lot harder when I, you know, in a few few weeks. Yep. Um, but like you always uh, promoted a... Uh, your game shop. I'll promote the movie place I go. It's in, in Rogers, Minnesota. It's called the you know, New Imagine Theater. Mm. Um, the original theater was Muller. He owned about 17 in Minnesota. Yeah. And the owner was retiring because he was like 80. Uh-huh. And he didn't want to keep it in the family, so he sold it. Mm. I don't know if there wasn't any family interest or what the deal was. But Imagine, who I believe is, uh, comes from Michigan. Oh. 
Okay. I think they come from the Michigan area. Um, they've been looking to expand into Minnesota for a while, and so they bought up all the Mullers. Um, and the thing, one of the things I like is they're redoing all the theaters. They're so putting in like this the fancy recliners. Oh, yeah. They got stadium seating, so you can buy your tickets in your seats where you want to sit. Oh, nice! They're putting in a full bar. Um, they're not raising any prices. They got a rewards program, and they kept all the original staff. If they wanted to stay, they let them stay. Which sometimes when people get bought out, they just kick everyone to the curb and rehire. Right. Yeah, that was not. So I like I like a place that'll do that, and it's a community thing, and so because they put in the stadium seating, it's like, oh, how many seats do you lose? They lose half. And I'm like, so prices are going up. And I have no problem with that. I am willing to pay for that kind of seating. Mm-hmm. And they said, nope, prices will stay the same. I think they're looking, I think they're going to make their money in the, because they're putting in like a nice cafe and a bar and stuff. So they're going to make their money there. Okay. Yeah, I think they are actually in Michigan. Looks like, I was just on their website. Uh, looks like Michigan, Minnesota, and Illinois are where they are based. But I think so maybe Illinois is where they originally came from. I can't remember where, but I know it came from that area. And they were looking to get in Minnesota, and they finally did by buying Muller. Oh, okay. So, and I love a good movie experience. It's one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, me too. But these days I've been settling for the uh, the home experience for the most part. And that's fine. You know, I'm not really so, com- complaining. Going to the movies is time dedication, especially with the average movie time being about 200 minutes. Yeah, at some point in the recent past, we forgot how to edit. And that is kind of annoying. Well, there's some movies where it's fine, but there's definitely some where it's like, you could have stuck to 90. Right. Yeah, just, you know, throttle it back there, pal. Maybe, you know, so. you, you could have cut some of that. That's all we're saying. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. So but I I will see Logan, though. You know, to go back to the uh, the, the original topic there, I'm totally going to see Logan. It's, um, I do have a soft spot for uh, the X-Men as well, although... Some of those X Men films, mm. Mm. yeah, not well. If you, three and Apocalypse are the ones that I'll, those are probably the only ones that ever like raised my nose to. Yeah, because um, X Men and X Two were fantastic. Sure, First Class was good. Yep, I couldn't, I couldn't believe how good Days of Future Past was. Mm-hmm. So, and yep. then I, I never saw the Wolverine, so I can't judge it. Wolverine Origins was a hot steaming pile of garbage. Uh, it pretty much, yeah. There's that. Yeah. And then there's Deadpool, which was just fantastic. Oh, yeah. Deadpool was one of the best X-Men movie ever, in my opinion. It's, one of the, it's still the leading grossing rated R movie ever. I'm a little worried that uh, with Deadpool 2, I worry that they're not going to recapture the magic. It'll be difficult, but they're going to bring Cable, so... Yeah, and, you know, that's always good for a laugh, let's so say. I, I, say, I think he's gonna, it could be a bit more serious, and Cable is going to be the straight man, mm-hmm. which is how Cable and Deadpool worked. Yeah, absolutely. Deadpool is Deadpool, and Cable played the serious straight man. And for people who don't aren't familiar with the comic terms, straight man is a guy who's serious. Yes, because I've said that before. Like I used to talk about Arrest Development, I'd say, yeah, Jason Bateman, Bateman plays a good straight man, and someone's like, isn't he straight? I, like that's yeah. not what I mean. So, and I think it was more common like in the past, but I don't think people use that terminology very much anymore. So, for people who don't know that terminology, and I'm not trying to d- talk down to anybody, but Straight man means they're the serious. It's generally in comic duo. There's the serious one and there's the goofy one. Yeah, for instance, uh, well, okay, I was going to make a for instance that wasn't really going to help because only old people would know, but Abbott and Costello. Right. Uh, no, well, one. if anything, you can go Bert and Ernie. Bert, yep, Bert, Bert was and Ernie, the, perfect example. Bert was the straight man. Yep. Despite the rumors online. 
<laughs> I wasn't going to go there, but okay. I wanted to. It felt right. Anyways, but you went on a cruise. Yeah, hey, uh, the reason that we're a bit late with this episode is uh, things were pretty frantic the week before my cruise because I had midterms going on and uh, a bunch of stuff at school. And then then I took a cruise because spring break happened for uh, for Central Michigan. And I had an absolute blast. So the wife and I have cruised many a time. It's kind of our vacation of choice for the most part. They're nice vacations. But we went on the Joko cruise, and so I, I don't know if you know, but I, I'm sure that there are some listeners that don't. There is a singer-songwriter from New York named Jonathan Coulton, uh, best known for uh, the music in Portal, so uh, Still Alive, the song at the end of Portal, he wrote that. Yeah. Um, Code Monkey is another big famous one of his, but he's done a bunch of stuff. Uh, uh, several years back, he and some uh, artist friends decided, hey, we want to we want to have a group to go on a cruise. And so they they took a group, you know, and it was it was fine. They did some events on the cruise. But this year was the first year that they got big enough that they chartered the entire boat. Oh, good for them. So we were on a Holland America ship, had about 1,500 passengers, and every single one of us was there for the Joko cruise. So it was very strange because, you know, most cruises, you know, there's there's shipboard entertainment and, you know, seating for dinner and all that kind of stuff. And this time it was just literally, hey, we're, we're taking over. We're going to do what we want. And uh, it was an absolute blast. It was like going to a con, like going to PAX or something. But forget the show floor. Just throw the show floor away and just keep the rest of it. So you had, like, uh, in a board game area where you could check out board games and play them with other people. You had uh, a cosplay day, so they actually encouraged you to bring costumes, and uh, and we did. Uh, they had uh, a concert just Wait, about you, every you, can't, you can't just skip over that you guys cosplayed without saying oh, who you okay, cosplayed. Oh, okay, okay. So I should back up, I guess, to what we cosplayed. So we wanted to try and find something that would be fun, uh, interesting to this group of people. So, uh, you know, it had to be kind of geeky, but it's a cosplay, so of course it's going to be geeky. Wait, obviously. And originally my wife was trying to do something uh, fairly obscure, and I was like, yeah, that's going to be way too much effort. And our second choice, what we came up with, was, uh, you know, Dr horrible yeah in dr horrible's sing-along blog so i was dr horrible and she was a gender swapped captain hammer nice and it was pretty awesome she even bought uh, a wig that was cut like captain hammer's hair and uh it's it was pretty disturbing when she put on the wig because it was a really good wig honestly and it was very strange to see her with a man's haircut uh but but there you go so didn't want to do Felicia Day's character? Was that too on the nose? Yeah, so her her theory on that was you wouldn't be able to tell that she was cosplaying because Felicia's Day Felicia Day's character in that is pretty much just wearing normal clothes. How about how about gender swap moist? I, well, nobody wants that. No nobody likes moist. <laughs> yeah, no one wants that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh my favorite day though was pajama day. They declared a day when it was just, yeah, wear your pajamas. Don't get dressed up. We don't care. You just have to wear shoes if you go into the restaurant. That's it. So, ta-da. And if you have never just spent a day in, like, flannel pants and uh, a hoodie, that is just, oh, it was so wonderful. So, that was that. The cruise was absolutely spectacular. A couple of highlights. Uh, one of our stops was in a small town, because it was, it was out of San Diego, so that was kind of cool, except for all the time zones. Uh, which, by the way, was a total bastard, because we I flew to California and went on to Pacific time. 
the ship went out and went down to the Mexican Riviera, so like Baja, California, where you immediately switch back an hour to mountain time. Then mm-hmm. we come back on Saturday, switch from mountain time to Pacific time, and then Saturday night, daylight saving happened, and we switched again. And Ooh. then I flew home back to Eastern time. So even today, like three or four days later, I still don't quite know what time it is. And it's very that's, very That's strange. rough. But one of our stops was in a small town called Loretto, and uh, Loretto is small enough that it doesn't have a proper like cruise port, so ships can't really dock. So you have to take a tender, so you get on a smaller boat, so you get off mm-hmm. of your ship onto a boat, boat takes you to shore. And they had gotten in touch with the town ahead of time, and we actually stayed there two days. So we arrived at like 11 o'clock on, I want to say Wednesday, and left at like 4 o'clock on Thursday. And Wednesday night, they put on a, like a music festival in the middle of the town. That's pretty cool. Because there was no venue on the ship where they could get all of the passengers in at the same time. So they're like, yeah, screw it. We'll just do a music festival. And so it was absolutely awesome. You know, they had a bunch of bands playing into the night and uh, all the little local restaurants were open and, and serving drinks, really cheap, excellent margaritas. And on our way back that night, we had gone and gotten on the tender. And, you know, there are probably about 40, 50 people on a tender when you're coming back. And as we leave to, to drive back or to, to boat back out to the ship, somebody on board had brought a guitar and just started playing a couple of Jonathan Coulton songs. But, of course, everyone on the ship knows them. So we just all started singing along. And so we had an impromptu sing-along of the entire tender on the ride back. And that was just completely freaking awesome. Um other things, you know, so I swear to God, listeners, there is a real topic, but Rich and I haven't actually caught up in a while, so I have to tell him all my fun stories. Uh, when we were going to get onto the ship, as we're waiting in line, there are all these other people who had brought, like, you know, guitars and banjos and ukuleles and things, and we thought, man, you know, we really should have brought something along, because I, I recently took up the ukulele. I don't know if you know that, but I recently took up the ukulele as an instrument. I'm not actually all that good yet, but, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to play around with. And we were totally bummed out, because we're like, man, we can't, we can't play all week. We get to our rooms, and there, on the bed in our room, are two ukuleles. So the the guys who do Cards Against Humanity were one of the sponsors for the mm-hmm. cruise, and they wanted to do something fun. So they bought a plastic ukulele for everyone on the boat. That's pretty sweet. And so everywhere you went, there were ukuleles, uh, and that was pretty awesome. So Did they say obscene things on them? No, 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 no. Didn't. Aww, uh, although later in the week, we did get a uh, care package from the Cards Against Humanity folks, and we got uh, fortune cookies with terrible fortunes in them. Just oh, abs- that sounds awesome. absolutely horrible. You know, a few of them were kind of funny, haha, and a couple of them were like funny dark humor, and a couple of them were like, wow, you really went there. So. It was kind of hit or miss. Some people liked them, some people didn't. I mean, I knew what to expect, because they weren't exactly branded Cards Against Humanity, so it wasn't obvious when you opened them what they were. Okay. But once you read one of the fortunes, you're like, oh yeah, that's got to be the Cards Against Folks. And it was. It's fine. I think it's darker than Harry Potter and the Chamber of Dead Parents. (laughs) Uh, They should have just branded it better. They should have just slapped a Cards Against Humanity logo on the package of fortune cookies rather than making us guess. Um, and then... Actually, a little surprised they didn't. Most places that like to sponsor like to throw that stuff like right in your face. Not in a bad way, but yeah. they like you to know who gives you what you got. 
well, they have an odd sense of humor. I mean, they bought us all ukuleles, for God's sake, which I, I ran true. the numbers on that, and it is not an insignificant amount of money, even if you're buying really cheap-ass ukuleles. I mean, just, I'm just thinking about, like, you know, 1,500 people buying anything for 1,500 people is expensive. Uh, it certainly is, yeah. Uh, but it was an absolute blast. It was probably one of the best cruises I've ever been on, just because, again, it was like being at a con for, like, six days. That is really sweet. Uh, so I was very sad to come home. Uh, real world comes back. Yeah, boy, howdy, did it. It's been a been a bad week. Uh, but anyway, we have brought you here, dear listener, not just to hear us ramble and catch up with fun stuff. Although, well, fun to be fair, that's a good chunk of our show. Yeah, so. pretty much. I mean, you know, one of these days, I think that we should pretend that we're going to do a topic, like announce it at the beginning, and then just never get to it. Don't say anything about it. Just keep going. Uh, I think which, that's fifty percent of our episodes. By the way, <laughs> speaking of which. I'd actually like to do an episode about cons, the basically the pros and cons of cons. You know, so the cons of cons. The cons of cons. So do we do a show about pros from the pros of pros and the cons of pros? We need to find someone who's a professional con-goer and have them as a guest. For pros. I, I've always wanted to go. I haven't gone to a con, so I don't know how much I can contribute outside of what I would like to go to for cons. Or we could write stories about cons and call it the pros of cons. See, because it's pros. <laughs> see, <laughs> we did there. <laughs> uh, 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 okay. Uh, but no, that's not tonight. Tonight, no, we wanted to talk about something that we announced a couple of episodes ago. So Rich, fulfilling a lifelong childhood fantasy, is finally going to get to play some D&D in the not-too-distant future. Yeah. And so I thought we would talk a bit about uh, role-playing games and Dungeons and & Dragons and my experiences with them and maybe what Rich might want to uh, expect coming up. So, Rich, why don't you give us a little more background about the whole role-playing D&D thing from your standpoint? Well, from my standpoint, I've always been, like, loved, like, wouldn't... I always loved video games growing up. And when we were first introduced to role-playing games, that was awesome. Right. I like the idea of you control the character, you control your choices. Because um, it's not just following a linear story, it's your story. And then, like, I've always been um, obsessed with the fantasy world, and I love, like, The Hobbit's my favorite book. And I always loved comic books, as you all know, and so that kind of stuff. So, you know, just think about your own ventures. If I was a, a superhero, if I was in this world, what would I do? And then, you know, heard of Dungeons & Dragons. And that's exactly what Dungeons & Dragons is, but I just didn't know anyone that played it. And my parents, they weren't super huge on the nerddom that I liked. They thought a lot of it was like, a, well, you know, the comic books they didn't really care about. Like, oh, that's what kids do. But as I got older, they kind of thought I'd grow out of it, and I haven't. And nope. My dad gets it. My mom's less understanding of it. <laughs> like, when I played Magic, she's like, isn't that for kids? I'm like, kids can't afford this game. Yeah, in theory, it's for kids. That's the lie we tell ourselves in practice. It's um, like, or like, she has, cannot understand that I watch anime. Uh-huh. Just that this is like it's a cartoon. I'm like, well, one, I still watch cartoons anyways. I'm like, two, watch some of them. It's not for children. I'm like, I like good storytelling and I like the art style. I don't understand why that's a problem. Just because you don't like it, whatever. So, so those are something like I was never going to get into because my brothers weren't really into that stuff like I was. Like uh-huh. they like the co- they like the X Men, the comic book stuff for a while. And but like I was always into the action figures and I that's what I really like to do was play with that. And they like to play sports. And so they, they, they weren't going to play it. And so I just didn't know enough people that actually wanted to play or get into it. So I never did. And so but it's always been a want, because I always like my own stories. I love I like the idea of storytelling. And I always like, in my, when I'm bored, I make my own little stories in my head. Because part of me has always wanted to be a writer. I'm just not a good writer. 
so I couldn't really write a good story. Um, so like this kind of a, this idea of this game lets me write my own story, right? So we write my own character, however I want them to be and do what I want them to do. And it's not like, you know, Mass Effect, which gives you so many choices hmm. of things to say or do. You can, you know, punch this person or not punch this person. But this, let you know, Dungeons and Dragons lets me, it's like, hmm, yeah, I'm going to cast this spell on this person to do this. Yeah, or you know what? Don't punch this person. Just wait. Wait six hours till they go to bed. Burn down the building they're in. You can do that. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Or you, you you can see the little gnome over there, and you can scam him by using a couple of magic tricks to distract him while you pick his pocket. That's right. The sky is the limit. I mean, the beauty of role-playing games, the absolute beauty, is that it, the only limit really is your imagination and how much of a jerk your DM is. That's pretty much it. So I think, in a way, you've captured uh, kind of something that is uh, the essence of being human, the idea of constructing stories in your own head. It's something that we all do pretty much all the time, even if we're not trying to be a writer, even if we don't have those sort of aspirations. If you think about what you do cognitively, you're constantly creating a logical narrative of how the world works as you move along, and D&D just gives you an outlet to exercise those sort of mental muscles. Especially if you're a liar. I mean, yeah, oh, definitely. They love telling stories. Definitely. Uh, so yeah, I think you've, you've nailed what, uh, what RPGs are, are all about, and I know... I know D&D was important to my formative years. Uh, now, I was a bit luckier in that once I hit middle school, I met up with some very, very geeky people. My grade school, yeah, I was probably the geekiest guy there, and that's fine. I'm, I'm proud of such things. I've kind of always been this person that I am now. I was pretty much like this the whole time. Wait, you're, you're telling me? The man who I know is a current astrophysics professor was geeky? Yes, I know. It is a bit shocking. Again, I'm sorry to be bombarding you with all of these weird things that uh, are, are totally out of character. I, th I thought we were friends. I know. I don't even know you anymore. Uh, but when I got to middle school, I met up with uh, a group of guys that uh, are really great friends. Um, I'm not really in touch with most of them at this point because we've all kind of scattered the four winds. But all throughout middle school and high school, uh, we played D&D. Uh, I don't think we really started D&D in earnest until maybe eighth grade. So it would have been right around 1989 or 90. And I distinctly remember that my very first D&D &D experience, uh, we were actually playing first edition D&D. &D. We only did it for like two sessions that we played first edition, and then we made the shift to the new second edition that was out. Oh, snap. Uh, but then the kind of the rest of my most of the rest of my role playing career was in second edition. Even when third came out, we were we were like, "No, nah, screw that." Um, I did play a little bit of fourth edition when I was in grad school because I had another uh, a friend in in grad school who wanted to do some D anD D, so we got a gaming group together for a little while. Uh, was it third edition? The players were overpowered, and fourth, the DM had all the power. Well, you know, in a way, the DM always has all the power, but in 4th edition, it was... It seemed like the whole damn thing was just an exercise in min-maxing. You were just constantly working with stats to try and just... I don't know. It, it took all the fun out of it. Isn't that why they had to come up with 4.5 Pathfinders? Because people disliked 4th edition so much? Yes. 
Yes, it, fourth edition, in my opinion, was a soulless monstrosity, and I I say that knowing that I have friends at Watsi who probably worked on fourth edition. I'm sorry, I am so sorry, guys, but it just did nothing for me. Second edition, now part of it was when I encountered it. I freely admit that the lenses of nostalgia are so incredibly powerful, but I loved everything about second edition. It was like here's a couple of books. We're going to tack on a whole bunch of books later, right? So we're going to have, like, uh, uh, the Priest's Handbook and the Dwarf's Handbook, and we're just going to tack on a whole bunch of other crap. But if you just want to start with the basics, here are a couple of books, and that's all you need. Go to it. Anything that's not in there, just make it up. It'll be fine. And I played back in the days of Thacko. I don't know if you've ever heard of Thacko. Uh, some people pronounce it Thaco. I disagree. But it's an acronym that means two-hit armor class zero. And it was the combat system for trying to figure out if you hit somebody. And so everybody had a Thacko, and uh, it was a number, uh, usually between 1 and 20. And you would calculate uh, your Thacko minus your opponent's armor class, plus any bonuses you had, that's what you needed to roll. That number or higher to hit them. So when you started off as a class, your Thacko was 20. And armor classes uh, ranged from negative 10 for, like, crazy magical armor to plus 10. <clears throat> and a standard unclothed human uh, had <clears throat> a, a pretty bad armor class. So, since it was your Thacko minus their armor class... Man, it's been forever since I've done this, so I hope I'm not getting some signs wrong here. But I think an, a normal clothed human was, like, an armor class of 10. And then if you put on better armor, you could lower that and lower that and lower that. And so you were always doing this weird kind of backwards combat math anytime you were trying to decide if you were going to hit something. But I loved it, okay? I mean, it, it appealed to the, the geeky nature in me. It's not like it was a difficult calculation, but it's weird the first time you encounter it. And then it becomes second nature and you just do it all the time. So uh, we played in the Thacko era, and I loved Thacko because... You know, it's what it's what you did. And later they reversed those. They flipped the numbers around so that you essentially your armor class was always increasing rather than decreasing. And your roles were different. Look, it was, you know, they, they can alter it all they want. But, you know, what it boils down to is you've got some statistics. Your opponent has some statistics. Combine them in mathematical algorithm. Roll dice. And oh, oh, God, it was so much fun. Uh, but the guys I was playing with, we all had very similar senses of humor, uh, and we all had very similar backgrounds and experiences. So when we were, you know, concocting games, it was it was pretty good. And uh, our DM was pretty awesome most of the time. We would occasionally rotate who DM'd, and some of them were better than others. Some of them were pretty bad. Uh, but, you know, a lot of them were absolutely, you know, a lot of these experiences were just great. Yeah, um, the, the, the owner of the game story go to, he'll, he, he'll DM and he loves to play. And he said, one guy he hates playing with when he's DM because like, hey, all right, you're at a tavern. What do you do? I'm going to go talk to the bartender. Roll for initiative. <laughs> hey, I'm going to talk to this. Roll for initiative. And people don't know what that means. That means you're going to talk to someone and they're attacking you. Yeah, I, you don't. Not everything is a combat encounter, right? But that's essentially, that's essentially what the guy made the game out to be. Is everything was combat? And they said they like his campaign lasted like two days, and they're like, "No, we're done. That's we're, not, we're not doing this anymore. You're not telling us a story. You're just making us fight." So, so speaking of stories, <clears throat> uh, the story is really the heart of any campaign of any 
any okay so let's 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 okay let's back up let's back up for anyone who hasn't ever played a role-playing game and i know that's not going to include most of our audience but i'm sure there will be a few for anyone who hasn't actually played an actual pen and paper sit down you know write things out somebody tells a story sort of role-playing game you create a character and your first your first session you're probably going to spend like an hour or maybe two just figuring out your character and, and so, your backstory that's the best part yeah so you create uh, a character who has a given race who has a given class uh who has some statistics that are usually either randomly or pseudo randomly generated and uh you get a little bit of starting money you buy some equipment and then you have to figure out who you are, where you come from, and what you want. And so you then generate your whole backstory, and you create... It's like you're creating a whole new persona for yourself. And some people will pick a person or create a character who is pretty much just like them, only with a sword. Other people will be like, you know what, I'm going to go crazy, and I'm going to make a female half-elf thief who kills people for a living. Which, you know, is completely the opposite of, you know, your straight-laced friend who is, you know, a male banker by day, just picking things at random. Uh, so it it really... The, the beginning is a lot of... There's not a lot of story yet. There's not a lot of, of you know, uh, drive for anything yet. But you're figuring out who you are. I actually came up with a backstory for a character that I might create. I don't know if I'm going to end up creating him or not. Uh-huh. It's so much fun. Yeah, I had been known to uh, roll up like three or four characters ahead of time and make new backstories for all of them just to figure out who I wanted to use when, when I got there. That's kind of what I'm doing. It's tons of fun. It really is. It was... I have a hard time because I'm just trying to settle on what class I want to play. So for me, it was always uh, Cleric was my favorite because it was the perfect balance between being able to do combat and being able to do magic. Because in my experience, particularly in 2nd edition D&D, if you were a first level wizard, you had like one spell you could cast in a day, and then you needed to go find some place to lie down for a while because you got dizzy. And you were made out of essentially wet tissue paper. So uh, I liked clerics because they were a bit more uh, hardy. They, they could actually survive for a while, even though high-level uh, wizard spells were way better than high-level priest spells. Uh, but still, I... Uh, I, I was originally, originally going to go with a cleric, but after reading like the details and kind of part of their characters, I couldn't decide how I wanted to build that character, so I kind of moved farther away from the cleric. Yeah. And then I thought the sorcerer, which is the one I actually have a, the backstory for... And that's a possibility. Uh, class I didn't think I would like, but actually after doing a lot of reading about it, was the monk. And then the two I'm like probably vying for the most right now are monk and warlock. Oh, okay. So those are the ones that speak to me the most right now. One of my favorite and most memorable characters, in my opinion, it's going to seem a little weird, but remember, I was like 15, okay? Uh, so I there there was a... A campaign setting, and I forget what campaign setting it was, where there was... They, they had kind of expanded things with different races. And one of the races was uh, a gully dwarf. So it was a it was a subclass of dwarves. And they were... I don't want to say that they were stupid. Let's describe them as simple. They were simple dwarves. And so I created uh, a character who was a gully dwarf cleric who was a priest of the god of dirt. 
And so, like, all of his spells and rituals involved, like, dirt and mud and rubbing soil on himself. And uh, he was he was an absolute hilarious, like, uh, comic relief character uh, for us. Uh, but boy, I, I remember him fondly. Not my not my favorite character necessarily, but more memorable. You want to hear the backstory of my sorcerer I came up with? I would love to. All right, so he's a half-elf. Uh-huh. And sorcerers come in two classes. They have chaotic magic or draconic magic. So I chose to be the draconic, and that it's the black dragon, which is acidic magic. All right, so acidic he's dragons. Acidic dragon. Um, it starts out with his father was the elf. And I don't know exactly what he did with dragons, but he was cursed by a black dragon. And he didn't know what the curse did, so he killed the dragon. So he went out with his life, fell in love with human, you know, made it with the human. But the because of the curse and the way the draconic blood passed on, the mother didn't mother died during childbirth. So the father eventually resented his son because he saw the black scales on one of his arms, which is um, kind of a trait of the dra- dragon sorcerers. And so his father pretty much hated him. He was raised pretty much by elf servants who looked down on him, not because of the dead mother, but because he was a he was a mix. Right. And the yes. elves aren't huge on the mixes, so he like so he eventually left home once he realized he could do magic and he started to learn to control it. He left home and pretty much hates elves. He hates his father, and he decided to make his way in life being pretty much a cheat, a charlatan, as it were, con man. He doesn't like to play games. He can't win because and he always wins by cheating. He uses uh, minor deception to cheat in cards and dice. Mm-hmm. And he also uses it to be an exorcist by tricking people that being that they're haunted or that buildings are haunted, and then he charges them to exorcise them. Nice. And so and he always smokes a pipe to help kind of distract people from his his illusions being more real. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't like tobacco on his breath, so he always chews mint leaves. Oh, okay. All right, so there's some nice things going on there, multiple layers. Yeah, uh, one, deep one character. There, there are some tropes in there, uh, particularly the uh, the half elf being ostracized from both sides. That's uh, that's a nice common trope uh, of elves, but it gives him a really nice uh, uh, textured background, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, and it's like so. If someone on my, you know, our campaign wants to be an elf, I'm obviously going to be a jerk to them. Yeah, and if they want to be a human, you can be a jerk to them too. Yeah, I, I don't really hate humans. I just con them out of their money. Sure, okay. That's- so, but like, if we went to a pub and there's a card game, like, oh, I'm going to sit down and cheat to win. So, stuff like that. So, yeah, it took me a while to come up with that story, get it all hashed out, because, yeah. But that, to me, that's the fun. That's, that's half the fun right there is making the character, picking a backstory like that and figuring out, you know, where do we go from here? You know, do I become a hero? Am I lawful good? Or, you know, do I start out chaotic good and then eventually get lawful good? Do I already go, do I go the other way? And as my, you know, rogue elf friend was clinging to a cliff for life, do I let him die? That's that's always a good question. And if it's my friend Ryan, yes. Yes, I do. Yeah, that's that's also always a good answer. Love you, buddy. Bye. <laughs> well, because one thing about the game, because me and my friends were very strategic. That's why we play Star Wars Imperial Assault. It's, it's like not chess, but it's all about moving and planning ahead and Dungeons and Dragons, you're not supposed to do that. You're not like, okay, this is what we need to do to beat this part. It's no. How would your character do it? That's Don't right. do the. Let's not do the most optimized way. If my character doesn't want help an elf, I'm not going to help my elf partner. That's right. Not everybody is actually a good. Yeah. So that and that's what I like about it. It's not. We're not playing. You're playing the role. It's built in the name. You're playing a role. You're not playing to win because there is no winning. You're just playing the story. 
If the story puts us on a castle that's crumbling and I can save the dwarf or the elf, my character wouldn't save the elf. Unless the elf had more money that I could rob him from. Then maybe. Right, but can you just get the money off the corpse? Not if crumbling castle, no. In that case, maybe you better save it. Then you take his money, slit his throat, and be done with it. Well, okay, that's fair, too. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, battles get chaotic. Who knows what happens? And then you set that bleep on fire. That is right. So if you, I, see, I got it thought out. Yeah, that's fair. You know, you got to plan for these sorts of things. Got to plan for sorts of but things. I've always been drawn towards caster cla- magic users. I've always uh-huh. been. When I played WoW, I mostly played magic users. That's just kind of how I've always been. So that's generally the classes I look at the most. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know what the barbarian and fighter do, because I just know I'm not going to be them. Yeah, those guys. <laughs> Although I yeah. actually like fun. So What can I say? Like, so, hey, there is a very important question, though, before we go any further. The most important question, possibly. Do you have dice? Yes. Okay. One, I played Magic. Right. And two, I did buy some dice sets that had the D4s and the 8s and the numbers that aren't common for Magic users. Yeah. So yep, I got a pack of six dice that have, there's D there's a two, D20, a D10, D6, D4s, D8s, D12s. Yep, that covers most of your bases right there. Uh, so. you, you could get a D30. Oh, and I do have, I do have two, two D10s that can be used for a D100. Right, that's always key. Do you have, is one of them an actual decade die? So it has like 10, 20, 30, yep. 40? Okay, yep. good. Yep. Uh, I actually went before the show, and I went just to see what the Dungeons & Dragons Wikipedia page is like, and there's a picture about halfway... Well, okay, no, it's about, I don't know. Yeah, a quarter just the dice? With the dice. Here's the thing. I actually own literally some of these dice that are in this picture. <laughs> which is great. But Will Wheaton made a good point in his show Tabletop. Uh-huh. Dice is like gamer's jewelry. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I have specific dice that I used with specific characters. I have I have collections of matched set of dice, but I have my original kind of oddball off-color collection. We that like blingy dice. We like blingy dice. We do. I have a, a set of copper dice that are actually made of copper. Fancy schmancy. Because why not? You could you could kill a man with those dice. Not not that I have. But I'm pretty sure you, you could. could. Yeah, that's right. And that's what matters is that you could. That you exactly. could. Uh, so one thing. Okay, let's let's uh, get back to what this whole thing is about. So then, you've got a DM, your dungeon master, or uh, sometimes your GM, your game master, if you're not playing D and D, who is kind of the storyteller. They control the world. And if you have a good DM, you're going to have a great time. If you have a bad DM, because uh, uh, the Roll DMs, for initiative. Yeah, the DM's got to have a light touch. They've got to make things exciting enough that you feel that the stakes are real, but not so hard that everyone's going to die. And those are kind of the two ends of the pendulum. You can have either the... uh, uh, God, what is it called? There's a very famous D&D module where everybody dies, no matter what you do. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll think of it in a few minutes. It's something of horrors, I believe. Well, I, I don't know. I just heard of DMs. Like some of them think it's like it's the players versus the DM, and that's not the case. Yeah, it's not really. It's... The DM's not trying to make you lose. The DM's just trying to tell the story without letting you just spoon feeding it to you. Yeah. So on the one end, you've got the DM who's going to kill everybody, and that's not really what. You want. And on the other end, you've got what's called a Monty Hall campaign, which is named after the the game show host from Let's Make a Deal, where everything is so easy that you just constantly win and you constantly get new and better loot. 
And neither one of those is really fun. You really want to be somewhere in the middle, where things are a challenge and you're constantly just scraping by by the skin of your teeth and you really feel like you've come together and accomplished something. So, <clears throat> that's, you know, that's really why a good DM can make or break everything. And so it's not really that it's you against the DM, it's that the DM is, they set the tone, they make the world, they, they lead you along. And the best DMs are flexible. They'll, they'll let you get away with things that are a little off-label. So let me, let me explain a, uh, a for-instance that happened to me. I think we actually did this when I was playing in grad school. Because I played in high school. Uh, I didn't really play in college. I played a little bit in grad school. Uh, then I played a little bit when I was doing a postdoc. So when we were in, in grad school, the group had gotten together to do uh, a campaign that was set in Ravenloft, which is kind of a gothic horror sort of set. So vampires, werewolves, those sorts of things. And we were fighting against a really, really powerful vampire. But one of this vampire's weaknesses was uh, running water. They, they had a problem crossing running water. So like a river, if you could get over a river, the, the vampire couldn't follow you, that sort of thing. So we decided to take that and run with it. And one of our characters, I think one of our characters was a psionicist who's not really using magic, but using like mental powers to do things. And one of the things that one of our characters could do was to open like a, a teleporting portal that was like 10 feet in diameter. Uh, and you could create this portal and then everybody could go through it to travel somewhere. At least that's the idea of what the portal is. But we decided to go off label with it. So we figured out what the range was from where you could put one end of the portal versus the other end of the portal. And there was a waterfall that was nearby. And so we opened one end of the portal at the bottom of the waterfall where the water was flowing really fast and hard. And we put the other end of the portal right over the vampire. And so we were dumping like thousands of gallons of water onto this vampire constantly to, to try and beat him. And it was one of these things where we, t we, t we had this idea and we start to do it. And the DM's like, okay, wait a minute, hold on. And we sat down and we actually calculated what the flow rate was going to be. So we could oh. figure out just how much water we were dumping on this vampire from a running water source and what that was going to do to him. Uh, that, that did not defeat him, but it did slow him down and it was hilarious. And we had a blast. So always think about what can I do? That's crazy. So I know I don't, I'm, if, when, if and when I do DM, my friends that listen to the show, should I can say this? I want to do where they're in a town, and there's this old gnome shopkeeper. He's got a little eye patch, his old white little beard, sitting on his ear selling his wares. And if they talk to him, which I'm going to kind of force him to talk to him, and if they're like rude or something to him, he's like, act, you know, they can treat him like he's a dumb bumpkin. Out of nowhere, he's going to kind of slam the desk, and the crossbow's going to come up and shoot someone in the face. Nice. And I'll make it, you know, you can react, you can try to dodge it, but you're going to need, like, get a, a, a god dodge roll. Yeah. Otherwise, that arrow to the face is going to kill you. Yep, I used to be an adventurer like you, then I took an arrow to the face. <laughs> I did have one friend, and you got to watch out for the, the members of your party, because sometimes they can be... Okay, so you're right. You want your You want your party members to be playing their characters, not themselves, but... There was a guy I used to play with in high school who was, uh, he could go off label quite a bit. He was a little bit crazy. His characters were always a little bit crazy. There was a big fight that we had in a bar one time and he was a magic user and he decided to cast fireball in the bar, <laughs> which is fine. I 
guess, but he was a relatively high-level magic user, so the fireball he created was quite large and engulfed something like 70% of the room and set everything on fire. Because uh, people might not know this, there's no, there is friendly fire in D&D. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So cast fireball, which is an explosion, with your friends near the explosion, they take the damage. Yes, and uh, they set all the booze on fire, too, which was probably the biggest crime of what had just occurred. Really? Not that he almost killed you all? Yeah, well, he set the booze on fire. Like, all the booze. Remember, it's, we were in high school. We didn't really know what booze was, but we knew it was super important, and we felt bad you, about it. You can't drink booze when you're dead? Yeah, well, there is that. We, we survived that encounter, but the inn we were staying in did not. It burnt to the ground. Ah, boy, those were the days. I kind of, I really kind of want to, like, be a magic user that knows Fireball. You kind of, like, just walk past the pub and go all Roy Mustang on him. That's exactly right. Totally. And just, just blow the whole building up. That sounds <laughs> sounds satisfying. Although, I don't know, Roy Mustang actually had, you know, control. And uh, oftentimes, you should carefully read the descriptions of your spells. Because sometimes you're like, oh, I'm going to do this. And the DM will go, well, you can try. And then you'll go, oh, yeah, that makes a cone of flame that's like 30 feet wide. Um, oops, I guess. Well, Fireball does make a sphere, doesn't it? It does, yeah. But the size of the sphere is dependent on the level of the mage. Yes. Or at least it used to be. Again, I'm quoting mostly, you know, second edition stuff here. I think I don't like, because I'm looking at the spell components. Some have, like, components that you have to have, but most components can be ignored if you have a focus. Or is that pretty much real close to 5th edition? That's a bit more 5th edition. I mean, in theory, you're supposed to have components for spells. Uh, It depends on how strict your DM is about that, whether it's like, oh, you need this specific thing, or if you can simply write on your character sheet that you have components for the most common spells that you you cast. Um, I will offer the following advice. You should carry chalk. Your character, write it on your character sheet that you have chalk, because there will come a time when you are in a maze and you need to mark something. And if you do not have something to mark with, that will be bad. So make sure you have chalk. It's easy. It's in my friend Ryan's blood. Uh, oh, that will work too. Yes, certainly. Ryan, we're cutting your hand off. Why? We need to mark this area. We're going to leave your hand here. That's right. After all, it's got to be your hand, because, I mean, how else will we know that it's actually this place? So... See, I already got it. I got it all under control. All right, good. Maybe I'm not lawful good. Yeah, you're not describing lawful good in any way. For a while, you were describing chaotic good, but not even that anymore. I kind of want to have my character do something at the end of a campaign, and then lead that into my character being the villain of the next campaign. Ooh, I like it. Like, we get to the end, we're about to, uh, you know, free the princess, you know, get the treasure, defeat the dragon, Uh and I just completely just destroy everybody. Now, the one thing you don't want to do if you are creating a campaign or a story from scratch, uh, I, I had a buddy in high school who, you know, like, like I said, we would occasionally rotate the uh, the DMing, and he had written his own adventure from scratch, but the problem was he gave away the twist ending in the name of the game, the name of his, his uh, adventure, and so he wouldn't tell us what the name was, like, forever. And then one time he, like, got up to go, like, get a soda or go use the bathroom or something, and he, he had left his, you know, sheet of papers there. And it just had the name right on the front. Amateur and, move. And one of us read the name, and he's like, my god, I can't believe you did that! And we're like, we can't believe that you just gave away the ending in the name. That was dumb. What the hell's wrong with you? Uh, but, yeah, it's okay. I'm going to name mine a peaceful walk through unicorn land. And it will be nothing further from the truth. Uh, so, well, it's it's like Unicorn Land in Diablo. 
They're your unicorns. They're just trying to kill you, though. Uh, the thing, the biggest challenge, in my opinion, to campaigning is getting together regularly with friends to do it. Because, you know, usually a good campaign doesn't last you just one gaming session. It's usually, you know, several, several weeks, maybe months that you're doing that. And once you get, you know, our age, once you become a geek of a certain age, uh, it can be really tough to schedule. Show. schedule so. New sick cap show. Geeks of a certain age. Uh, okay. I have no idea what you meant. I'm sorry. I'm lost. Oh, there's a TV show with Ray Romano called Men of a Certain Age. Oh, uh, uh, okay, okay, I got gotcha. you. So that's what I'm claiming. New sitcom, Geeks of a Certain Age. I think that we would watch that. Stars Judd Hirsch. <laughs> because okay. why not? Who doesn't love Judd Hirsch? Hey, why not? I'm I'm all for it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, the big problem is is getting people together, you know, regularly, to have hours and hours and hours to sit around. And Oh, oh the other one is... Uh, Spending that much time uh, eating pizza, chips, and drinking soda once you get over a certain age. Because, boy, I don't think... <laughs> metabolism. What I, was that like? I don't think my metabolism could take that. I think I would just die. See, ours would be bad because it wouldn't be like the food. It'd be all the beer. Yeah, I mean, the upside now is you can drink while playing. The downside now is you can drink while playing. So, and for us, I mean, we'll be like be too sophisticated for beer. It might just like move on to the liquor. Exactly. That's and down that path lies. Not that DM is going to be you die unless you roll a twenty, bitch. Yeah, and we'll just be like, yeah, that's fine. I just, just said hi to the bartender. Roll a twenty. Just be another. So yeah, the adult beverages might interfere from time to time. I don't know. So what do you guys have uh, a plan, a strategy? Do you regularly meet? We regularly fit re regularly meet, but once every three to four weeks for Star Wars um, Anal Assault, I mean Imperial Assault. Sure. Um, so I think we, when we start this, we're going to try to keep that schedule. But again, we're still trying to figure out our DM situation. Yeah. So we need to solve that first before we can really progress. Mm -hmm. So... And do you, do you know, are you going to do a pre-made adventure, or is somebody going to make one themselves? Do you it, know all, it really depends on once we find a DM, what they're comfortable doing. Because if we find an experienced one, mm -hmm. we, we might just let them run with it. Yeah. Um, if we don't, we might try to do a pre-made. Um, if like one of us brand new people have to be the DM, we'll probably do a pre-made then. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with it. Some of them are quite good, and they'll give you all the things that you need to uh, uh, to run it successfully. Although, you know, even then... Your DM can add little bits and pieces here and there to make it better or worse. So, well, I'll just take this as a opportunity to make a complaint. Okay. And as you know, I am not a big critic critic of WotC. I normally enjoy a lot of what they do. Sure. And their magic website, with its faults, is pretty great. Yeah. Um, the, the I know a lot of people don't like the Gatherer, but for what it is, it's a pretty great database. Oh yeah. Um. They have a very succinct website. It gives you what you want. It gives you the, you know, the information. It gives you information about the game, learning more. Their Dungeons and Dragons website sucks. It is awful. You, it's just awful. You can't really learn much. It doesn't really. It's just worthless. I think just awful. Okay. And That's... I don't like. I'm not a huge critic of Watsi. As people on the show learned, I may have small critiques, but I don't have big ones. And their Dungeons and Dragons website sucks. Yeah, I have to admit, I have not really frequented the D&D website all that much. When I started playing D&D, there was no internet. I remember it was a big deal when one of my buddies, who we used to go to his house occasionally, he got America Online. <laughs> yeah. 
Fancy. He could dial up into AOL, and there was stuff there. It was amazing. What, you know, was he like? A, was he like a, a prince? Well, his his dad worked at the local university, and so he had you know a computer at home that was decent, as opposed to the rest of us. And uh, and he had the AOLs, and we were just all totally infatuated with it. But uh, then we realized that it sucked. <laughs> AOL, not him. Until he sucked. All the fun times. So yeah, you know, scheduling, that's that's what I I say and make sure that you uh you budget enough time that you can actually finish the damn adventure cuz man, I have had a lot of them that we've started but never quite got to the end to and that was always sad. It is sad. And uh just in case cuz I don't know who your DM will be, always have a spare character rolled up just in case you die. Good to know cuz there's a good chance you're going to die. Always remember that. Yeah, with a, one of the guys who plays, he said he loves being rogues, but he dies a lot. Like, is it because you run in there and think you can kill everybody? And then he's like, "Yep." Yeah, that you know, don't get don't get cocky, don't get cocky, or bad things will occur. Uh, so schedule for this is uh, you said maybe in a few weeks, a month. Could be months. I, we don't know. It depends on how long it takes us to finish Star Wars. Gotcha. Gotcha. And hey, you're going to have the extra added difficulty of uh, scheduling around kiddos, right? Yep. But I think we, I've talked, I talked to my wife when we decided to do a re- reoccurring thing mm-hmm. that, you know, part of it is because so I can, there's for sure a time when I can get out of the house. So we, we both understand that you can't just be home all the time. Mm-hmm. So. We get it. We'll see what I mean. We'll see what happens. But we, she understands. All right. Well, awesome sauce. Um, when that occurs, when you start up the campaign, or maybe partway through the campaign, we should check back in and see what your uh, your impressions of how role playing in real life is versus how you thought it would be. Yeah, it's, we'll have to see what happens. I mean, I'm excited to start doing it. Yeah, I think I think you'll enjoy it. I really do. It's it's very. It it's fun to work your imagination in in a new way, if you will. Sure, we've got all these fancy schmancy video games, but you know nothing beats nothing beats the uh, graphics that were in my mind. Very hard to beat those is what I will say. So uh, you wanna you wanna wrap things up for today? We'll uh, we'll pick it up again sometime down the road. Yeah, that sounds good. All right, great. So uh, let's see what what do we gotta what do we gotta let people know. Well, I guess the first thing we gotta let people know is how they can get a hold of us. They can tell us about their fun times with uh, Dungeons and Dragons or role playing games. And I look, I know we didn't even touch any of the other role playing game systems. That's fine. Uh, we we may at some point. Who knows? I, I think the only thing I'm gonna say we're not gonna talk about is uh, Warhammer because I don't understand it. I mean, I conceptually understand it. I just don't know why you'd spend time doing it. It just doesn't interest me, like, at all. Uh, so Is that really a role-playing game? It's not really, but uh, I'm just saying that of the things, you know, geek-adjacent that I can think of, it's about the only one that I'm like, eh, nah, I don't really need to talk about that. That's fine. Uh, I'm glad people enjoy it. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying it's not for me, okay? So stop with the hate mail. Put down your laptop, 
or iPod or cell phone or, I don't know, cerebral implant device. I don't know what it is. But if you want to get a hold of us, there are ways to do so. Uh, we are found on the Twitters. I believe we are at Random Discard on the Twitters. We are, I believe, Random Discard Cast at gmail.com. You can find me on the Twitters if you want to hit me up directly. I am at Lacluse, spelled just like it is in the show notes. I am at MindMage, spelled like it is in the show notes. You know, given that, I'm kind of surprised that uh, you you were making a fighter for this... Ca- oh, no, you're not. That's right. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, so, yeah, that is how you can get a hold of us. I guess if you consider a monk a fighter, I might do that, but I'd go with a more casty monk. Yeah, that's fair. Totally. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in with us as we ramble our way back to regular recording. Um, Rich, good luck with, uh, with everything, just in case the kiddos come sooner, and I don't talk to you before uh, it happens, but we should. We Thank should you. get in at least one more. Hopefully. So, there you go. Thank you all very much for listening, and we will see you next time. for initiative <laughs> I should have gotten out oh hey I have some dice there we go it's funny that I thought I didn't have any dice near me <laughs> who am I kidding I'm constantly surrounded by dice